You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Josh Long, Legal and Regulatory Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, September 25th through the 29th. Welcome to a Supply Side West edition of Natural Products Insider's Healthy Insider Podcast. This is Josh Long uh, with Natural Products Insider, and I'm on the phone this afternoon with Ashish Talati, a partner in Chicago with the law firm Aman Talati in Ubati. And uh, Ashish helps clients navigate the U.S. food, beverage, and dietary supplement regulations. Uh, at Supply Side West on Friday, September 29th, he'll be addressing the audience to discuss the issue of inflammation. Ashish, thanks a lot for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Josh, uh, for having me. I'm pretty excited about our, uh, you know, Friday morning, uh, you know, workshop on inflammation. So look forward to it. Great. So we're so on Friday, September 29th at Supply Side West, you're going to be discussing um, inflammation and how it relates to the claims that companies in the dietary supplement industry can make. But before we get into the specifics. Let's just talk about the whole concept of what a structure function claim is under the law and um, what kind of claims you can make um, as a dietary supplement company. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, dietary supplements can only make a structure function claims. Um, that means that they cannot make any disease claims that, for example, diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Uh, what is a structure function claim? It basically, structure function claims describe the role of a nutrient or a dietary ingredient um, intended to affect uh, its normal structure or function. So calcium builds strong bones. You know that is a structure function claim. Um, additionally, they can also characterize the means by which a nutrient or a dietary ingredient acts to maintain such structure or function. So another example is fiber maintains bowel regularity. You know, that would be a function. Um, so that's something that a companies, uh, in a dietary supplement companies can make. Um, but a claim that mentions a disease or a class of disease obviously does not qualify as a structure function claim, you know. So um, that is very important, especially in the context of inflammation where, uh, you know, the dividing line uh, is pretty thin and gray, you know. Thank you. So in 2000, I believe, the FDA adopted its final uh, regulations defining um, the type of statements that can be made regarding the effect of a supplement on the structure or function of the body. This is exactly what we're talking about, structure function claims. And in that um, fairly comprehensive uh, document in the Federal Register, they cite a number of examples as to what is a structure function claim, for example, and what is a prohibited uh, disease claim. And I wanted to just ask you, just generally speaking, without talking about inflammation right this second, has, has FDA changed its position since this document was produced in terms of what is allowable as a structure function claim, the type of statements that can be made? 
I mean, they have not in officially, but you know, overall, over the years, you know, the enforcement or interpretation has changed. Uh, you know, depending on who at FDA uh, is taking a position, but their uh, official position, I think, has been pretty consistent. Um, so uh, that document is still valid. You know, in fact, we use that uh, in our practice a lot. Okay. And Ashish, in that document, they talk about, specifically, they talk about inflammation. Um, what can you tell us about um, what they say in terms of inflammation statements that are allowed and that are not allowed in general? So, you know, inflammation is an interesting case uh, in, when it comes to, you know, claims. Um, you know, inflammation itself is not a disease. Um, in fact, it's just the body's reaction to stimuli, right? So over the years, um, the, you know, we can certainly argue that inflammation itself is not a disease, but what FDA has taken the position is, look, you know, it's it's an implied claim, you know, uh, where it kind of implies that it uh, affects or some condition or some disease that's underlying that uh, inflammation. So in that final rule, that document that you're looking at, you know, they basically say that, look, it's their position that inflammation is not an appropriate subject for a structure function claim, um, especially they give an example such as, you know, improved joint mobility and reduces joint inflammation and pain. That's not a you know, structure function claim that FDA allows. Um, anti-inflammatory effect on the gastrointestinal tract. That's another example. Again, that's not a structure function claim as well. Um, so that's what they have done. Um, but what has happened, um, and maybe this is probably your next question, but over the years, you know, the industry uh, was using a claim such as supports healthy inflammation response or supports healthy inflammatory response. You know, um, that was a claim that is still actually being used by many, many companies, you know, um, and in you know, FDA to my knowledge, never, uh, you know, issued a warning letter just on that claim itself, although in 2014 or 2015, around that time, uh, through some of the webinars, um, the position that's been taken is even that claim is not a structure function claim, you know. Um, so we've not seen anyone challenge FDA on that, but um, at least, you know, FDA has taken a position that even supports healthy inflammation response is not a structure function claim. Okay, so so besides looking at this document and the examples they give, it seems it, it, this isn't one of those black and white areas. It seems fairly challenging. Am I wrong that to distinguish uh, what you can say about inflammation? Is that? Uh, I think agree? so. I mean, well, I mean, if you tie it to a disease right, or a condition, then you know it's pretty black and white. So if you mention you know chronic inflammation or um, any of the examples that I gave you in the context of joint pain, um, that uh, you know that would be a black and white uh, disease claim. But something like supports healthy inflammation response, you know, or um, the, you know that I think is pretty gray. Uh, I can argue that that's real, actually is a structured function claim. Um, but at the same time, the, the white, uh, pretty white, uh, which is an okay claim, is if you tie it to a non-disease state. So something like exercise, you know, inflammation related to exercise, uh, which uh, FDA has made it clear that that is something that they're okay with, you know. 
So if you said on a product, for example, that, you know, you ran a marathon and you needed to take a pill, it's just, I'm throwing out a total light bulb here, you need to take a pill to reduce the inflammation from a marathon, nobody's going to associate that with, with having a disease, right? It's just that's right, that's right, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Now, which they they consider. I mean, I, you know, obviously everyone would agree that's not a disease. Right? It's just a, a you know um, acute event at that point in time. You know, but um, so that would be okay. Yeah. The more challenging is the support, health information response, or anything related to that. Um, you know, I, I think that the argument could be made either way, um, and I I tend to think that. Uh, uh, FDA is probably overreaching when they say that's a disease claim. No. Okay, and so you mentioned. So were there some? There were some warning letters that FDA sent out related to that statement. Is that right? A couple of years ago. They have not just specifically that. It's just in a webinar. Um, they, you know, the position was taken that even a claim such as supports health information response is a disease claim um, or implied disease claim. You know, it's not a structure function claim. Um, most of the warning letters in the inflammation context are pretty black and white in the sense that the companies are truly making uh, unauthorized disease claims. So. Okay. Now, I was just curious. I don't. I, I want to move on, but you know, I'm looking at their statement. Improves. Reduces joint inflammation and pain, and they associate that with having rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> I just, I mean, can't you have joint inflammation, for example, and not have a disease like arthritis? You can, you can. It's just that for the most part, you know, in the pain, again, pain, they allow minor pain in the context of exercise. But any other pain, you know, they, they take a position that that's not a structure function claim, you know. Um, so here, you know, joint, even joint mobility, right, improves joint mobility um, and reduces joint inflammation. They have taken that as a arthritis claim. Um, I think if you mention pain and inflammation together, um, and it becomes difficult to argue that it's not, um, even if, you know, because just because of the variety of conditions, underlying conditions, it could be based on, you know. Um, but I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, any structure function claim technically could be argued, right, um, that is the underlying, like supports healthy heart. Uh, well, is that structure function claim, but... Hey, is that a healthy heart, or does that mean that something's wrong with your heart? You have heart disease? Um, but... Right. I, you know, so it's, it's at least in the inflammation context, uh, any mention of uh, any if you connect it with uh, you know pain or chronic or any condition, then that would be something that FDA would and I, I would agree with in the sense that that would be a you know, disease claim. You know. Okay, thanks, Ashish. So I want to move on to a to a to a sim, uh, related topic. It, let's say you're a dietary supplement marketer and, and you consulted with, let's say, your law firm, and um, you're going to make certain uh, structure function claims around inflammation. You think that you're towing the line, so to speak, and FDA is not going to be worried about your statements. Now you need to have so-called substantiation or, or competent, reliable scientific evidence to support your statements under, you know, uh, FTC rules. So what, is, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you know, complying with FDA is one thing. At the end of the day, you also have to comply with FTC and advertising law, which basically means you have to have support uh, for your claims. 
um, and that could, you know, mean having a human clinical study uh, that backs up, uh, substantiates your uh, claim that you're trying to make. So in the inflammation context, you know, it would mean that you have basically and it doesn't need to be on the entire product. Obviously, that's good if you do, but it could be on the ingredient itself. You know, you can certainly make ingredient um, claims that are based on the ingredient and the sciences on that ingredient itself. Um, but it does require, uh, you know, human clinical studies. You know, that's what uh, FTC looks for, you know. Um, and it needs to be very well designed, um, the right uh, number of people. Um, so it needs to be adequately powered, and uh, you need to show that you know statistically significant results. You know, um, showing that it does benefit. In the inflammation context, uh, it's probably some marker, right, that, that people use to show um, that the marker improved over time. Now, in the context of inflammation, because FDA, for example, associates it with a disease so closely, um, do you think, like, for example, the FTC would be um, more likely to say that a company making certain inflammation claims needs human clinical trials? You know, the industry has said the FTC is trying to impose these human clinical trials on, on, on supplement advertising, but there's all kinds of other evidence that they can rely on based on FTC's supplement advertising guide. I'm just asking, in the context of inflammation, because it's associated with a disease, you think the, is the FTC going to be tougher on those types of statements, to your knowledge? I, or no? I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think, you know, FTC cares in that context, whether it's a disease or not. You know, what they're looking for is do you have competent, reliable scientific evidence, you know. Um, now, the gold standard is a human study, um, but they, they do look at other uh, types of studies. Uh, it's just that, you know, the argument um, gets a little weaker if you're relying on studies that are not done uh, adequately, you know, and uh, if you're relying on, let's say, in vitro studies or animal studies, then how do you uh, show that uh, the product works the same in humans, you know? Um, so it, it's sort of, you know, if you have a human study, it kind of takes away the argument, you know, it shows that you have done that. Uh, within human studies, there are different layers and different, you know, we have seen companies do open label studies or, uh, you know, studies where they have 10 people in it, you know, and again, um, that's still a human study, but it's not adequately powered or it's open labels, it's not placebo controlled. Uh, I don't think FTC has anything where you have to have it. It's just it, it shows that, um, the, you, know, you know, good faith in the context that if you have a good, adequately powered, well-designed study, then FTC is not going to bother you, you know. Um, it also helps if your ingredient has, you know, like for example, look at curcumin, right? Curcumin has tremendous amount of science behind it. Um, so if a company were to make any claims like that, you know, I don't think FTC would bother them. You know? um, so it depends on the history of the ingredient. If it's a unique ingredient, no one has heard of it, or it's pretty new, then they will, you will need some strong science to back it up. 
You have been listening to a Healthy Insider podcast with Ashish Talati, a partner in Chicago with the law firm Amin Talati and Yubati. He uh, will be speaking at Supply Side West on Friday, September 29th, on the regulatory topic of inflammation, and we urge everybody to attend. It should be pretty interesting. Ashish, thanks a lot, and have a great week. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, brought to you by Supply Side West. For additional podcasts featuring industry leaders and experts, visit naturalproductsinsider.com.